0: If I told you what that what I put them lads through, you wouldn't believe it.
1: Curling has to be the most difficult, eye hurting sport I've ever witnessed. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been described as the bright man's of Harlan, the today we got married. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air, and then hit it. But, most importantly I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us. All right, Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Hurling Podcast. In this episode we talk to the current Gorey Senior Hurling Trainer and Wexford GAA's Hurling Development Administrator, Willie Cleary. Willie started his coaching career at just 20 years old with the UCD Freshers team and his hunger to improve and his dedication to the game has seen him become one of the top coaches in the country. He is strongly involved in the Hurling 365 programme in Wexford, which is transforming the development of underage hurling in the county. Throughout this episode, you can really get a sense of the passion he has for Wexford hurling, and you can't help but be enthusiastic for the future. He starts here with some nice words about one of our previous guests, David Redmond. David David Red wouldn't leave us alone, telling us that we should get you.
0: Really? Singing your praises non-stop. I'd say that, yeah. But David's a good fella. Dave, watch out for David. David's gonna become an, an absolutely outstanding coach. Yeah. Yeah. He's a sponge. He's the be- he's, he's the most by far in Wexford. He's the biggest sponge. He's learning every day. What podcasts, books, tactics, systems, breaking balls, puckouts. He's texting me. He texts me every week just, so he's, just he's watch out for him, he's gonna become a really, really good coach. At a uh, really, really high level. He's definitely had
2: um, good ground and been under, good coaches, you know, the whole way up along.
1: You got started very young.
0: Yeah, no, I started very young, lads. I started kind of 2021 20, uh, up new UCD, I suppose. You know probably how colleges work, that they need students to go over fresher teams and help out and stuff like that. So Dave Billings asked me to take over. I was in second year new city test to take over the fresher's team. And it was very talented, Tom Brady, P.J. Nolan, Keith Burke at the time. There, you know, a lot of the Dublin miners and Wexford miners who played in the guard Sinnott. You know, 2005. Benny Travers was a little Carl King. You know, the parish captain, the club captain for the last the one few All Irelands and captain them. They were all on that. It was a great bunch, and I just kind of took it from there. So I spent a year with the Freshers, and then Dave asked me to go with Fitzgibbon. So it was a year with Babs. And then I was kind of three, three years kind of after that with just kind of different people and, and stuff like that. And I just loved it. And that's kind of initially how I got into it. I suppose when I was in my second year, then when I went over to FITS team in UCD, Brian Mullins was the head of sport and he's also chairman of Vincent's. And Dave Billings is a big Vincent's man as well. So the two of them asked me to go train the senior team in Vincent's. So I was 21 and I was trained the, the Vincent's senior team and they were beaten in the county final year before. So it was a, a big experience. It was something, you know, I loved and relished and I kind of just went from there and I just loved it and I've never kind of, I've had bad times and ups and downs and times you'd want to throw the cones away. But sure, you always go back to it. Same when you lose a match, you hate it for a while and you want to go back to it then a few months later, a few weeks later, you know. So Dave Billings, he was a selector with Paul Caffrey there, you know, Pillar Caffrey for the few years and Tommy Lines with the football. Look at, I suppose anyone who goes to UCD and is on GA knows Dave. Dave was like a, he was like the godfather of the college. Like every, he looked after every GA student, whether it was accommodation, exams. You know, he's you know famously like Stephen Lucy had an exam and he'd get a helicopter for him back then to play with Limerick or UCD or something. You know, he was kind of a lovable rogue as such. Um, he died tragically in two thousand and fifteen. He just died in his sleep. He was only a young man, and it kind of it actually cut all of us deep. We all kind of felt he was one of these people in life who um, kind of when in, when you were in his presence, you were the most important person to him. And he never put anyone up on a pedestal. Like I was a nobody and he gave me the opportunities I got where he'd treat me the same as he would have treated a Stephen Lucy, a Brendan Murphy, a Dermot Fitzgerald at the time, or, you know, equally the Alan Brogans that were in UC at the time. There was no, he never he, he treated a junior player, the intermediate player as, as important as the as the best county player there. And I think everyone up there loved him. And you speak of anyone afterwards, even, you know, the, the generation that were there when he actually passed away, the Jack McCaffrey's and the, Paul Mannion's and Matt O'Hanlon's and all them and they'd all speak so highly of him as well. He just looked after everyone as if they were kind of a, a son to them or a daughter to them and, and I suppose he saw something in me and he gave me my chance and I'd be forever grateful to him.
1: And you were, you were doing primary teaching, was it? or?
0: No, I did. I went back into primary. So I was doing um, arts in UCD. I was doing history and geography. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, primary or secondary. So I did kind of arts in UCD. I kind and of had then, my mind on secondary and then I did a master's in UCD. And then after that, I went back and I did the H-dip. The H-dip at the time was a year and six months. So I did it in Freble, It was in Black Rock at the time. It's in minute now. And I kind of was up in Dublin then for about six or seven years. And I came home then kind of maybe mid-twenties. Kind of, you know, after college, whenever that was, early-twenties, mid-twenties, came home back to Wexford then.
1: And had you been playing with the college or how how did the relationship with Dave, Dave Billings start?
0: Not really. Like um, in fresh the Freshers team that was there... Uh, look, what I, I loved Ireland. I never really hurled to an unbelievable level. Kind I hurled club up until I was 24, 25, I suppose. you know. But no, never hurled to that kind of a level and didn't go for it. kind of just enjoyed college in first year, if that made sense, and kind of just played the club at home and everything like that. And the standard, you know the standard of university, it's really, really high. So one of my best friends in college is Owen Quigley the Raps. And Owen was captain of the Freshers team, and I think Dave had asked him and he just said, look, have a lad here was kind of obsessed by Harlan, look, at I don't know. I didn't know if I could coach either. And kind of just went in and just kind of talked to it and enjoyed it. And, you know, it was, re- it was a great way. It's a great way in which, when, especially when you're in the likes of UCD, it's massive. You know, there's 30,000 students. It's, you know, for country people coming up, you can get lost in it a little bit. And I think GA is a great tool to meet people and meet people of the same kind of like of you. And people from different counties then as well. So that's kind of how I got into it. And you know, when you look back on it, it kind of just happens with flow. And you look back, you don't really remember how it all flowed, but at the time it just kind of did. And that was really it.
1: Yeah. So you being 20 years old, was it, or 21 years old over the UCD freshers? That's one thing because you're still managing a lot of people that are younger than you. But how was that transition then to managing St. Vincent's at what age were you then? Twenty two?
0: Twenty one, the summer I was over them first. Twenty one or twenty-two. I was over them in 08 and 09 and yeah I suppose, I, I suppose it was a bit weird but there was lads a lot older me then coming Vincent's you know you Tom Russell who'd hurled for Dublin for 10 or 12 years and stuff the Dublin Hurling revolution was kind of taking place at the time if you remember you know we kind of grew up with that like Vince, and they were kind of Dublin was getting more professional in its club set up because it was to that like it was behind Wexford an awful lot in Hurling terms up to that I just did a train and laid out and then they seemed to like it and enjoy it hadn't been kind of that kind of level of training or at that level it just wasn't in Dublin hurling at the time it was only kind of coming into Dublin hurling at the time so they kind of enjoyed that but um, I was saying we, and we think we played Bally I think it was the semi-final in 08 uh, we drew with them the first day and about we 10 minutes to go in that game Kevin Heffernan the great Heffo like came down from the stand to tell me or tell us to do a move and we kind of half ignored him Paul Ryan had just got sent off for Ballyboden and we left the man back kind of in the half back, and he said push up and go for the win you have him here so I was too afraid that they'd go down the other end and, and whatever. And uh, we got betting the replay by uh, two points or three points. And I got told after that game anyway <laughs> that I should have listened, listened to the great game. <laughs> this is a 21-year-old Pope from, uh, from Wexford not listening to him. But anyway.
1: Well, you, you backed yourself. Whether you are right or wrong, you backed yourself. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I was wrong. But anyway.
1: <laughs> so what was next then after Vincent's?
0: I should have done your then. 2010, 2011, John Conran contacted me and I met them and really enjoyed that. Again, I was young there, like I was 20, 24, I think, 24 when I kind of took over at New York, which I suppose, from their point of view, they're looking at this 24 year old from Knard going, you know, coming in to tell her at New York kind of how to do it. It was, you know, yourself how proud of a club it is and they'd and won so, so much. But no, I got on really well there, really enjoyed it. Um, we got bet in the final in 11 to Owler by two points still have nightmares over if maybe stuff I didn't do on the line or substitutions you didn't make because that was the kind of great Owler team and they were kind of in the middle of their peak at that time and we were four points down a half time in the final one five to four I remember but there's was a strong wind a real Wexler Park wind and we were getting back the whole time we had them back to a point then with about eight minutes to go and I kind of thought look we just keep going and, and kind of do the maths time will come on our side or we had Jack Gyne and Robbie Codd and Benny Leary inside us, but surely Nigel Eagans will surely pop up somewhere along the way. And probably time ran out on us. We got back to a point and Garrett caught, Garrett Sinicott, an incredible poke out into the wind. And he got a point to go two up and it kind of just ran out of time on us. But uh, no, I love my time there. Really did. Um, super club, you know, a proper hurling club, huge tradition. Probably one that we kind of let get away from us, to be honest. It was there to be won. And whether, you know, we didn't really push on for it. And maybe that's my fault, but sure. That's kind of part and parcel of sport, isn't it?
1: Were there any moments with with Rathnew or with St Vincent's where there was a player who was kind of thinking, "Who who is this young lad telling me what to do or anything like that?"
0: <laughs> Maybe behind my back, but never to my face. Anyway, I, and the effort level in training wasn't that at that kind of. Uh, I never got that from their, the effort they were putting into training. To be honest with you, they were um, they were all receptive. You know, there were two powerhouses of clubs. You know, I didn't go into two small clubs or anything. In Grant New York kind of team was ageing. It was, they'd won in 2006, they won 2002, 2003, and they won 2006. They had great rival with And I remember in 2009, they were kind of, they were Euler to kind of hammer them in the quarterfinal. And people were, you know, they were getting, you know, Mike McLeary, brilliant club hurlers, Paul Codd. They were getting on in their, in their career. Nigel Higgins, all these lads. And um, so it was kind of a, a fresh impetus. And we kind of brought in stuff that they hadn't been used to. Like they had a tradition in the club. They'd only go back on Paddy's Day. And that's when they started back, you know, and they still won championships. But it, it all changed. If you remember the time that the senior championship was being changed, remember from 16 to 12, and every year there was about three being relegated. And so the whole championship, so we went back, we introduced weights to them. We introduced, you know, kind of videos to some degree in meetings and stuff like that. And and a kind of a different maybe way of training a little bit. And uh, no, they seem, they seem very receptive to it. Now, I, I never had any issue. I suppose... You know, when, when kind of a few of the key players back you straight away you kinda of have the group. I had a great relationship with Mick Leary and Paul Codden, these lads, and they were brilliant hurlers. And they didn't need much, to be honest with you. They got themselves right, you know. I remember we were playing a quarter final in eleven in Belfield and we were under pressure, you know, that you know, they hadn't been in a semi-final in three or four years and there were people who were saying they were old and this and now we were stuttering kind of in the group. We started the year badly and we were getting form and the players just took over the dress room, point. so points that otherwise like Paul spoke or somebody spoke and I think we went out and we absolutely hammered Barrington in, in the quarter final and you know, then we got Clabon in the semi-final They didn't need any motivation for Clabon do you know what I mean? And then they'd outlert in the final. So you no know, brilliant a brilliant group of players. Kind of they got three county titles, they might have felt that there was one or two more in them. that that year is one that kind of rankles with them still. But they needed very little, you know, and you'd know kind of what would you say they were hurling every single week, like every session was hurling, there was no second week playing football championship or anything, you know, really just obsessed by it. And that team gave it a last to rad. They could have won won maybe in twelve. I remember the Harriers bet him the year after I wasn't with him in a semi final and Eulert then bet the Harriers in the final. But I think look at Eulert were at that time were just that Owlert team was just kind of in its in its pomp at the time. And you know, if you go through the backs like they had what was it, Paul Roach, Keith Roster, Barrichio, Sean Murphy, Darren Stamp, Lar Pender, Owen Moore was injured, like Dave Rem and Michael Jacob middle of the field like Jesus from 2-9 to they were just it was an incredible team and I suppose when we got so close on the day we probably should have pushed on a bit and as I said maybe things that we made mistakes maybe on the line that we should have done but look at maybe they wouldn't have worked either I don't know that Euler team was just a a fantastic team
1: yeah the Euler team didn't get much weaker as you went up up along the rest of the team either I don't think
0: no it didn't exactly but just kind of from that two to nine I remember just saying I remember actually doing the analysis for that game and I was just saying to myself you know like where is the weakness like where are you going to get your matchups where somebody's going to get the better of someone and you know we tried different things we probably should have moved it around a little bit more at times it kind of but because we were getting a lot of scores from freeze and I remember Paul had a freeze about 100 yards out with to the wind in with about five minutes to go to bring it back level and the crowd was really coming with us and and everything like that. And it barely went wide and kind of they just kept, you know, they kept, they kept as I said, Garrett caught that ball then and they kind of held for me. when there was one ball with about eight minutes to go, it went right on the edge of the square. And Jack Giney and Robbie Codd went in underneath it. And they're both very good in the air. And Jack was only a minor at the time. He was only a, a kind of a chap. But Robbie was fantastic in the air. And if Jack got a ball, he'd bury it. He was buzzing at the time. And um, Paul Roach caught it out of nowhere. I, I just, I was, I was sure I was going to... It was going to end up in the net, and he came out with it. And I think that was just a strength; them they just had no weak spot that you could expose. They were just, you know, really, really strong all over, and they were all at the right age, and they were all kind of, um, you know, they were very unlucky in Leinster's after, but they were still beating the draw with the Ballyhale. You know, they were they were top in the country. They were the top few in the country at the time. They simply were.
2: Last week, talking to Darren Stamp, he was telling us how. Owlert had, oh, we had the best forward in the county for the last 10 years or something. And I was thinking, he could be talking about anyone. <laughs> yeah.
1: It was as yeah. if we were supposed to know he was talking about Nicky Carwin, but he could have, could have been any of them. I was thinking straight away that he was talking about Rory Jacob. And I he- know, we
0: should have full forward line at the time was Rory Jacob, Gareth Sinnott, and Nicky Carwin. Sure, Jesus like the word. Sure, Nicky could end up in championship game scoring 2-6, do you mm. know what I mean? And Rory could get 1-4, and Gareth could sco- score 2-3, and... You know, like, where are where the, like, Dez was kind of, had injuries at the time, and Dez is probably one of the best club forwards of the last 20 years, and he had injuries at the time, he wasn't kind of on the team, he was on and off the team, sure. look at they, they were just a, a really top-class team.
2: Would you have gone in as a, you in a selector with Martin Storey then, after
0: that? No, it was actually during that, the minor team, yeah, it was 2010, kind of, Martin rang me and asked me to come in and help him out, train and why, so I went in in 2010, And I was there 2011 with Martin. Yeah, I enjoyed that. You know, really, like, that was the kind of current crop we're starting to come through. So we had the 08 minor team that we got an awful lot from. You know, Tom and Leems, Like, just so many players come off that team that are still still learning. Must be 10 or 12 of them went on to play senior. And the next crop then was that crop. So they were actually very unlucky at minor, that group. And and people don't talk about it as much because they were so successful at 21. But Dublin at the time were our bogey team. You know, Dublin had... I think about twelve lads, ten or twelve lads have gone on to play senior with Dublin between hurling and football. Like they had Kieran Kilkenny, Car Costello, Eric Clowns, Emmet O'Quinila, Conor McHugh from the Fina. That's five lads, and none of them played under twenty-one. They all went to play football then, so they were gone. So that's kind of where our lads got the ups on them. Like we lost by a point to them in Wexford Park, and in a brilliant game. Uh, I think Jack actually talked about in his podcast that uh, you know Kieran Kilkenny buried a penalty with a few minutes to go. And then in 12, we got bet in the Leinster final by Dublin again, and we'd beat them in Parnell Park in the kind of the you know the quarter final or whatever. There was a backdoor Dublin went through the backdoor, and you know they'd they the five I named footballer, they Callum Cronin, Keno Callahan, Chris Cromie, Oshino O'Rourke. You know they had a series. They got bet by Tip in a replay in the 2012 All Ireland final, and we'd beat them in Leinster, and we lost to them by a goal or three points. Andrew Kenny was captain centre back. He was a phenomenal minor player, Andrew Kenny. You'd Liam Ryan was corner back. He was only in his first year wing back. Potty Foley broke his hand before the Leinster final. He missed out. Connor Devitt, Kevin Foley was wing forward. Donald Shanley, Mack was full forward. Tony French. That group, the group that went on to the under 21, I'd like to think that they got a really good kind of experience at minor. JJ then probably brought it on another level professional wise. You know, they were older. They were used to senior training and intermediate training stuff like that, and JJ and Neil O'Loughlin probably brought that onto another level. And I suppose coupled with the fact that our lads were getting better and Dublin lost a few of their really, really best lads to, to football, we kind of were getting the up on them then again, which, which was great to see. Like, I loved going to all those games and seeing the lads work with kind of developing and coming up. And it's still, you know, when you go to the senior games now and an awful lot of them have gone through minor, you, you know, you, you really enjoy it, like, seeing them and how they develop from kids to, to adults, like.
2: And then... You, you were with Ratneur at the time, and then you... Only f-
0: for the first year, yeah. I kind of just said I stayed with the minor. I found a year heavy going with the two of them, you know, the minor and Ratneur. So, but see, the minor, sometimes, like, you know, we were beaten in the quarterfinal in eleven by Galway. And, was it Galway? After we... No, sorry, we didn't get, we didn't get out of Leinster. We were in the semifinal. But, you know, it was kind of over in June or July, and then you had the club championship only kicked in, really, in August and October. So it was heavy going that year. The following year, 2012, when I was with Martin, no, it, we didn't. Um, I, w- I was only with the minors.
2: And then the next year, after Martin left the manager team, you took over as full-time manager.
0: Yeah, yeah. So 2013, then I took over as full-time manager. Still nightmares about it. Great year, actually, besides our, our final result. But uh, we had Paul Carly and Liam Griffin with me. Uh, like we actually had a phenomenal year of kind of development and training and like, it was a disaster's end. Couldn't have been worse, but we were flying kind of all year with challenge games against Corks and Tipper Aries and everyone. We were well able for everyone, Do you know. We were, so we bet Kenny in Nolan Park for the first time since 85, and that was a brilliant day, and it was the first time we beat them in, in Nolan Park, I think someone told me, in 70 years. We were actually excellent that day, and we were going really, really well the whole year. As I said before that, our challenge games, the way the lads were playing, everything like that. They were top-class young lads, like just a, a pleasure to deal with for the three of us. And kind of what happened then, the championship was, was harder back then in a way because once you won, you didn't play again till the semi-final where the, the team who lost got another game and generally they always won at the Dublin's and Kenny's. And our lads were, you know, the leading was a big problem at the time, but we played leash in, the, in a semi-final and it was really hard to get them together. What Wexford did at the time was we played around the Senior Club Championship in June as well. So the, the Sunday, and do you remember the time they were playing them kind of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Do you remember they were playing the games over a three- or four-day period? I don't know why they did it. So, like, you could have two games on a Sunday, two games on a Monday, two games on a Tuesday. They did it that year. They did it. I don't know why. And all our lads were playing senior clubs. So we, we didn't have much access to them kind of going into that game. And we were due to play them on a Saturday. And the Saturday, the weather was lovely. And we agreed to change it to Sunday because Dublin were playing Kilkenny after in more Park. Remember the day it was the day Dublin bet Kilkenny? I remember. Um, it was
2: a draw. Dublin drew Kilkenny actually.
0: And Dublin bet him the replay, was it? Remember yeah. Danny to strike Tommy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there was a gale force wind blowing down the field. I mean, Oliver O'Leary hit a poke at wide once, and we <laughs> had the worst start. We had the worst start ever, and we were only up at half-time by two points, and we were actually leveled a few minutes to go, and Leash actually bet us, and it was a complete disaster was like, it was one of those days that if we had take no matter what we did it was going to go wrong and it was just it was just really really kind of a, one of those days you stand on the line and you just can't believe they're the same players that beat Kilkenny seven or eight weeks beforehand and were buzzing and all that sort of way it just kind of after the Kilkenny game it was like you know there's probably complacency too like you know the lads probably thought after beating Kilkenny in the headlines in the local papers we definitely beat Leash. like it was actually a very good Leach team you know Cheddar and Pat Critchley were over them and they had him really well trained and the wind in more Park and the crowd got in behind them and everything. And we just couldn't get it back. And Leash lost the Lens for final to Kenny then, who we'd already beaten. And then they ran Galway to two or three points in the quarterfinal. And uh, a lot of, you know, Chad, Wire, a lot of them went on to play senior for, for Leach. But look, there was no excuse from our end. We were good enough to beat them and we didn't. And it was a disaster because you never got another chance to kind of, that was the end of it. You walked out the door, you got a bus home and you didn't see the lads again. Yeah, look what I still have nightmares about. There's no points in the Some of the, the gory lads still hear me about it. We bet uh, it's, it's typical Wexford, cam- though. I know we bet cameras up in O'More Park in a, you know in the Leinster semi-final, quarter-final of the year we won the championship there with Gory. And I remember after the game, Conroy, typically Conroy, and uh, Maccabee. like, ah sure, you know at least you got a win up in O'More Park now, Willie. Like thanks, lads you know but uh, I suppose you learn it hurt at the time it still hurts like you know it was a disaster and the reaction in Wexford then was you know it was my first time getting so much kind of negative like you know you're only a chap you did a clue what you were at, and like I had Liam Griffin and Paul Carley with me like I had you know really good lads around me as well and, and we all put in a massive effort and if you ask the players I would say that you know they really enjoyed it and there was a huge effort and, and just great I hope they would anyway I think they would but just just happens doesn't it when kind you of get those days you know given Dave it was done over a league format I'd be confident we do we could have won Leinster that year but unfortunately it's not in in Championship and we got knocked out and we had to take it
1: and yeah you had Liam and Liam Griffin and Paul Carley over you did you ask them to come in or was that organised by the county board or how did that come about no I
0: asked them to come in I asked them to come in like like so suppose it's no secret I'd be very close to to Liam Griffin like you know another bit like a Dave Billings figure he's somebody that probably saw me train teams and, and kind of I wouldn't say took me under his wing but he's definitely been a strong mentor to me in, in everything I've done and you know he's, he's given me great backing in, in, in coaching that anything you know he'd be on the phone to you straight away after a game or he'd be asking you what do you think or you know I, I'd say there wouldn't be a week go by where we wouldn't be on the phone to each other even still now talking about Hurling or, or talking about Wexford or what's happening and stuff like that and he was a great kind of a great he was great like mentor to, to me at the time and, Uh, Paul then was kind of like myself, a young kind of up and coming coach who was eager and very good at coaching. He only recently retired from Wexford so he had that great connection with the players. You know, the players really got on with him because he was young and he could he could uh, relate to them. Yeah, no, look, I couldn't fault it was it was I couldn't fault the effort the young lads gave. Like Paul, he often said to me, "Since like if you were to go back, would you change a whole lot?" And you know, we we probably wouldn't. Like if we were to analyse, we wouldn't. But then. I suppose seven years on now, I look back and I look at myself then as a a young 27-year-old coach and I'm like, Jesus, there's stuff I did then that I wouldn't dream of doing now. And I'd like to think that I'm way ahead now of where I was then. But at the time, you don't think that. At the time, you think you're ticking a lot of boxes. Everything's going really well. But at the time, I suppose I didn't kind of set up the team to play a specific style that I wanted them to play. It was very much kind of we were really well organized off the field. Training was going really well. And we kind of picked our best players and our best positions and stuff. And we, we kind of went out and hurled. And, and now it's gone far more. I think it kind of was introduced to hurling then. Like, you know, I know Cork 10 years before that. But clear in, in 2013 with Davey and what's coming after with, with tactics and sweepers and everything. The whole game and, and the games-based coaching is really kind of only coming in really strongly the last few years. So you look back and you would do different things then. But I think at the time, you felt you were doing everything right.
1: After beating Kilkenny for the first time since eighty five, was there pressure building on the team or anything?
0: Or Yeah, I suppose I suppose there was, and we kinda had one or two really well known like I suppose Kevin everyone in the county was watching out for Kevin Foley and Connor Mack, you know, they were they were well known at the time, even at that age. Kevin wasn't playing. Connor Devitt was kind of up with them at that level, if you remember as well. Yeah. And but Mac was kind of seen as, as a kind of the, the star and he actually held senior that year. Like we were beaten in June, the last weekend of June, and he went in. He Remember, he won two weeks later. I think JJ brought him into the 21s and he started the Leinster final against Kilkenny. We won in Wexford Park and then Lean brought him in. and he come on, do you remember against Clare the day we drew down in Torless and they bet us an extra time? He was kind of well-known. I think, looking back on it, like we got an awful lot of headlines uh, nationally, even when we bet Kilkenny, because, you know, Wexford at the time, as you remember, weren't a powerhouse or and we were struggling and you know we'd come out of some lean years and this was seen as a, a great hope look at Wexford miners are starting to, the tide is starting to turn and that was kind of that led then to the following years with the 21s so the 21s went on in one Leinster that year and the two years after and you know I suppose maybe maybe we, as I said you do we went up the leash and all the pressure was on us there was no pressure on them it was like should we beat Kilkenny we we were the ones you know with one or two star players should we have to go on and win it you know and, it ultimately, we got found out on, on a given day, and, and that happens in sport. Like you see, look at the Premiership, or look at FA Cups, and you see Wimbledon beat Liverpool in the FA Cup final, or United can lose a big game now and again. And on, that's no disrespect to Leash at the time, because it was actually a very good Leash team. A lot of them went out to play Fitzgibbon and Senior for Leash. It's just we weren't right on the day, and we got caught out, and, we, and the preparation wasn't right, and we kind of that, that, was, that was ultimately it, and, and it was their downfall. So, how do you go from beating Kilkenny? in Nolan Park to that it's it's tough to take and that's the end of it then you drop them off at the bus and you've no more time with them
1: was there much backlash and was it aimed at you in particular do you think or the setup?
0: there probably was yeah there probably was it hurt a lot like you know I tell you what happened Gary as well that, that made it worse is the under 21s lost to Antrim do you remember in the semi-final the same year after winning Leinster yeah and then it was thrown around that oh, the miners lost to leash, and the under twenty ones lost to antrim. Where are we going in Wexford Harland? what are we doing, even though I knew we had an awful lot of talented players, I knew they were coming through good setups and and they were well able to compete with the top counties in Ireland, but I suppose I couldn't say that. I just had to bite my tongue and sit there and take the kind of the comments and the abuse and everything that went with it and look at you know it heart it still hurts like you know, and I know minor isn't about winning, it really isn't it's about developing your few players to go on to play senior. I felt that we had our lads, you know, they were ready to take the step up. Like, you know, an awful lot of them went on to play senior a year, two, three years after. And I'd like to think there was some way played that they came through good setups that they came through, you know, they were doing proper gym programs, like development programs. They were doing proper training. They were getting exposed to playing the top Munster counties every week in challenge games and stuff like that. But look, it it did really hurt. It still really hurts. And I did get a backlash from it. And I was probably young at the time and sensitive that would have probably hurt me more than it hurt me now not to say it would still hurt me now but you, you know you grow with experience you get a thicker skin and uh, at the time it really really hurt yeah
1: I don't want to keep digging, digging into the backlash but would you I remember talking to Paul Morris and asking him does he get ever ever get any criticism in at him at all and he said that he, he just doesn't read anything anymore and people it's not as if people had come up to him in the street and say something so he he just doesn't really see it or doesn't notice it he takes no notice of it when he's playing he's only yeah. focused on playing so he doesn't notice any of it would you have seen it in papers or would people have ever said anything to you in person or
0: no I have to say I, I found the local media were exceptionally good to me like I thought Spratt and Ronan Fagan and, and even Brendan Furlong and all Alan Horn were exceptionally good I mean, there was no blame game pointed at, at any one person or anything I think they realised it just happened on a day like it just happened if, if you were to go out and play them next week you could beat them by five pints you might beat me two pints you could beat me ten pints I think they were very fair that way and I think the, you know the feedback coming from the players wasn't that the setup was was useless or we weren't getting proper training or it wasn't good like that I suppose the negativity came back maybe I hadn't hurled for Wexford you know I was young I was 27 at the time and kind of you know I suppose the old the old crap if you don't mind me saying like sure you know should that lad yeah. shouldn't be near a minor team or what what's what's he doing there and that hurt like and i suppose it hurts you but it really hurts when your father has to hear it and your mother has to hear it in the stand or you know i suppose paul, paul touched on it as well and you know i suppose when you're younger you definitely go on maybe the hogan stands or the, or the forums and, and you, you know you'd, you'd feel stuff coming back but as paul said you kind of have to cut that out and the same lad wouldn't say it to you in the in the pitch or, or at a match or anything like that so you got to take I think it he comes part and parcel with it like you know it's, it's exploded now, more so even with Twitter and, and, and Facebook and stuff, that it just seems to be anyone can write what they want about anyone now. And I was laughing, like, you know, in 2018, 2018, I was down in Cork for the quarterfinals. You know, Wexford played Clare on a Saturday there. There was, there was only a small crowd at it. And it was Davies' second year or third, second year with us. And we were, we were kind of pathetic on the day and Clare about us fairly comfortably. And I was walking out from Parque Quay back to the car Jeez, the abuse Davey was getting from, from some Wexford people and, and Clare people as well were joining in with it and you know, it's not like it can be nasty at times like you know especially being in a, in a coach's position or man. it's like all the blame goes on goes on him even though you know this year then he's a hero you know the, the people in Wexford nearly you know give him a knighthood now and build a statue to him but you know 12 months beforehand there was lads cutting him so you got to take it with a pinch of salt you know you, you, re, you really have to that. Players get it too. We we all hear it. Like you probably lads have gone through with your clubs or or a hurling with Wexford that you know you know you've probably got some abuse someday and then the next day you do something good and you're, and you're a hero again. It's just part and parcel of it, and I suppose we have to we have to just accept it and move on. But it is tough to take, yep. uh,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Supporters can be fickle. <laughs> Even sure look, they at, can. look at the Wexford Tipperary semi final last year, and the same lads would be given out all year long about. The short passing game will blame the last 15 minutes on hitting it long.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, look, at, you kind of just have to laugh at it. And that's why I, I touched on it there. Like, you have to, you have to coach to how you want the team to set up. And, and Davey believes in this game. He believes strongly in it. He's got all buy in from the players that they believe in it. And ultimately, nothing matters then. Like, what, what happens outside doesn't matter. Like, you know, if, if people think they're good enough from the stand, go, put your hand up and go do a job. You know, go over a county team or go over a club team, and prove your way is the way to do it. Because, you know, it, it's it's a it's a very very hard game being a being a coach or manager or kind of trying to put a team together. And there can only be one winner at the end of the day. Sometimes, you know, you might be lucky enough that along the road that you get those big wins, but more times than not, you don't get them. And I don't think I don't think hurling is about that. I think hurling is about the journey. And and it's not getting off topic here, but what do I love about it? I, I like you know, winning championships is great, or winning big games is great, but. I love kind of a, you know, a Tuesday or Thursday night in the field and you have a whistle and you have the lads flying around the place and there's great laugh going, there's jeering going. And for that hour and a half, that's all, you know, it's like you're, you're kind of escaping from the world and this becomes your, you know, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, the words to put on it, but, you know, it's like a drug to you. Like, you know, you just love being there. You can't wait then when you, when you drive home, you can't wait for the next session. And that, But to me, that's far more important. The, the wins, the way are, are fantastic and, and they're amazing, but to me it's a journey and the friends you meet along the way and the players you coach along the way and, and the development and the crack you have along the way. That, that's, that's how I look at it anyway.
1: Yeah.
2: After that minor loss, like say, that would have been a rapid rise, been over Vincent, over Ratanure, then part of the minor team, minor setup, then minor manager. Did you find maybe your phone wasn't ringing as often after that for jobs?
0: No, not really. I actually went to Dela Salle the following year down in Waterford, who just won Munster. Well, I, I was in training. I wasn't doing any of the like managing side of it or anything like that. I tell you, that's what changed, Ben, a little bit. I decided kind of from that point on, I had no real interest in... I just wanted to take a step back from the administration side of it, the phone calls, the texting, you know... The kind of boring side of it you know the kind of all that sort of and I just wanted to make myself a better coach and focus on on being a coach so so that way no I I, I didn't and, and that kind of has helped me along the way and I think even at Gorey at the minute we've they have a great managing team with, with Louie Pat and Podge and they've been there with him for a few years but all the stress is off me I come I have my cones I do the training sessions I might be on WhatsApp groups with the lads but it's all to do with Harlan it's all to do with coaching and all the other stuff has gone from it so I think that's kind of been maybe the way I took it after that, But yeah, maybe a little bit, Ben. I don't know. Like, I'm not privy to what people are saying about you, you know, but I I just kept going with it. And and there was times when when you were very low and you were very down about things and you kind of felt like, you know, Jesus, what am I doing here? Like, there's more to life. I should be off traveling or I should be off doing this or that. But I suppose it kind of sucks you back in. That's the kind of line I took after that, Ben, more so. I want to step away from the from the administration side of it and focus on the coaching side of it.
2: And you were down in Dallas All with Derek McGrath, was it?
0: No, Derek was gone. Derek, Derek took over Waterford that same year. His selector actually took over the job, Alan Dillon. He'd be Jake's uncle, Jake Dillon's uncle. And I just went in and coached him, just as a coach. Loved it down there, actually, you know. They were kind of coming to the end, that team. That team had won in 08, in 10 and 12 in Waterford. And they won Munster in 08 and 10. And by the time 15 were, came around, they were kind of, they were, you know, it, it probably needed to be chopped up a little bit more. And I didn't know enough about them, but it wasn't my job at the time. I was literally going in to coach them. That's sort of the way we got betting a semi-final by Mount Zion. Austin Gleason gave an absolute exhibition today. He was only 19. I just remember t- thinking, it, and he kind of hadn't gone to national prominence that age. He was winged forward on the Waterford team that year. We bet them. Do you remember Wexford bet them in Nolan Park that year? Yeah. And he was—he was just phenomenal centre back. He just absolutely lorded the pitch in Walsh Park. And I remember going home, going, "This lad is can be what he was—one of the best club club performances I'd ever seen. He was just—he—I he, think he got three or four points in play centre back. And no matter who we put on him or delisal Salle put on him, he just—he wasn't—he kind of they weren't able for him. He was just brilliant that day.
1: Were you involved then training any of the extra 21 teams, or you were training senior teams? Were you?
0: You know, I didn't do any of the Wexford under-21s. Uh, Liam Dunn asked me in, in 16. It was his last year. Yeah. Uh, myself, Tom Foley, and Aidan O'Connor came in kind of new again. I was just coaching them. And it was Liam's fifth year. That was, a, that was a kind of an up-and-down year. You know, I suppose Liam had done so much work for Wexford over the 10 years, like the 08 minor team, what he did with Owler, And then he took over Wexford, and, and we were in an off position, and he brought us up to, to a different level suppose the one thing that Liam couldn't get his head around at the time was our lack of consistency and I think Paul touched on it in, in his, when he was chatting to you as well, I think David might have as well is just, you know, how can we go out and, and beat you know Clear and Waterford and then perform so badly against Limerick or how can we then go out and beat like in, in 16, you know, we had a tough we were terrible against Dublin in the final things were going really poor and stuff like that and we had a six week block where the lads just put their heads down and we got a really good run at it. We did a training camp up in Johnstown House, and it was brilliant. And we, we kind of bit awfully well in the park. And then we bet Cork. You know, we heard really well in Tarlis against Cork. And they were buzzing, and they were really, really good and sharp. And then, the, you know, a week or two later, then we were poor against Waterford. And that's something Liam, I think, couldn't... I think it was kind of... Maybe they were so young. He'd introduced so many young players and whatever. But it was just... It was frustrating. I think even as Wexford fans... You know, even at 15, you know, we, we beat, we'd we beaten Clare and Waterford in 14 and heard superb for, for that three or four week period. And we were really looking, we heard well in the league in 15. And then we played Kenny and Nolan Park and we're, we're totally flat and we get hammered. And I think this was something that, and Liam kind of asked me in, that in 16, and it was just so hard to figure out because they were training really hard, they were putting in a huge effort, but it just wasn't happening every week. It was so inconsistent. We go from really brilliant performance. To a really low performance, and I—I I don't even think the players could figure it out if you asked them now. I don't know why it was, and and yeah, that. So I was only one year with the Wexford seniors, then with Lean that year. So it was a really topsy-turvy year.
1: Yeah, and and looking looking back on it, from where you are now, c- can you pinpoint anything that could have led to the lack of consistency? Or it's kind of been touched on in a couple of different of our of our podcasts that there's been a lot of Wexford teams that have kind of. I don't know whether it's that they've just pulled amazing performances out and played above their level, but then the next week they could be completely flat.
0: Yeah, I, I think, and it's a massive criticism I'd have of, of us as a county, is we're very easily pleased, Gary. Like, you know, one good year, one good performance, and the county goes into overdrive. Like We're so happy with them. It's like, sure, geez, isn't it great that we did that? And it's like, we don't we don't have to kick on then. or You know, kind of sort of way that, you know, we get, we get so, I don't know, is it hyped up or we, we're kind of so happy that we do something great that we don't actually realize you have to do that every week to become a top team. And I think one thing too you have to remember in 16, Liam got desperate and unlucky with injuries. And it's kind of not talked about. I'd say there was eight or nine of the panel were out injured for the, for the championship in terms of, like, Andrew Shore did his crew suit. He was hurting really well at the time and, and at the right age. Shane Tompkins, I think Shane did his crew suit too. Did he, Gary, that year? Yeah, the He was the, out yeah. for the year anyway. Yeah, James he's Breen. Down, like for example, James James Breen destroys Alan Cadigan down in Par down in Torles, Plays an absolute blinder, and then you, he finds out he's he's the mumps or something, and he had to miss the Waterford game. It was constant, and that's only off the top of my head. There was more. Podge Doran got injured. Just constant. Aidan Nolan was out for the whole year as well. Just constantly kind of um, getting getting stroke, bad luck, and stuff, and. It was hard then to build a settled team. And it was only by the Offaly game that had a settled team. We kind of had a settled team and a formation. And then they kind of played really well against Cork and, and they hurt fairly really well against Offaly in the park. And then, then Waterford at the time were probably that bit ahead of us. They were probably that bit more advanced. But as the consistency goes, I couldn't put one finger. I don't think there was a lack of belief maybe as well. We'd been down for so long as a county that the, the players didn't really believe fully that we could do it every week. We could beat teams every week. We spoke about it. Would, to actually put it into actions And I think With maturity now And with maybe The bit of You know The bit of confidence That Davy has instilled in him and, and they're getting older Like you know They're all hitting now 28, 29 You know The minors of, of 08 and 09 The Matthews and the Pauls That, that bit more of maturity Is in them And, and they're, they're, they are more consistent than it, And it's great to see
2: yeah. so You're saying really That one Won a couple of wins And the whole county Gets overexcited So like Yeah Ben I would one good year and a couple of lads started a podcast about it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: like, exactly, yeah, yeah. But no, it's it it was a, it's a pet peeve of mine and and I, I don't mind saying it like but even when the county board rang me in seventeen would I would I'm say I'm a teacher, so like would I would I take a few years out and come work for the county board full time, I kinda I said, you know, I'm very ambitious. I don't want Wexford to be competing once every five years, lads, or once every you know, 10 years and, and we're happy with that and we're still looking back on videos of 2019 now in five, 10 years time. Like, either we're going to be real about this in the county and we're going to put our foot to the wheel and we're going to do everything so well that we become a consistent top four, top six because there's so much work going in. I don't want Wexford. I, I, think, I think it's a cop-out that we're happy to get to a semi-final. It's nearly glorious that we got to an all around semi-final. It's nearly glorious that we, we played so well against Tip and lost. And then fall flat for the next five or ten years. And we're still talking about it. Like, You know, like if for years we're talking about 2003. You know, with John Conner against Cork. That game in the semi-final. But, you know, we need to back that up every single year. And we need counties to sit up and look at Wexford. As they look at the current Limerick team. Or as they look at Galway year in, year out. Or Tip or Kakenny. That we're a real threat every single year. And, and I suppose that's, that's all our jobs now. Because this current team probably only has two or three years left in them. In its, in its current form or current guise. And then there's going to be like, you know, there's going to be big changes of leaders. There's going to be, as I said, that that minor team of 08 and 09 will pass on naturally. You know, their their time will come to an end in maybe two, three years' time. And is that the end of this Wexford then for another few years? Or do we consistently have three to four absolutely top inter-county players introduced to the panel every year that we're going to be a consistent team? And I don't accept that we can be, you know we have to go back down to eight or nine now when, when Davey goes and when Matthew and, and Paul and all them go. I, I don't agree with that. I, would, I, would, I, think, I think that's a cop-out and I think it's a, it's a coward's way of looking at it. And if we're brave enough as a county to stand up and do things right and, and take on other counties and, and really put our foot to the wheel as a Harland County, that we can be anything we want to be. Like We have 150,000 people living in Wexford. Tip of only 160,000. thousand. They've only 10,000 more. Why can they win three All-Irelands in a decade? You know, why have we only six All-Irelands and they have 30 All-Irelands? Like, you know, to me, it, it's there for us if we want it, if we do things right, and if the county board and everyone works together. And to me, it's a cop-out. Exactly what you said, Ben. We celebrate 2019 for the next few years. It's just a complete lack of ambition and a, and a lack of, a, you know, I suppose it's, it's like a loser's attitude. And, and I'd like to get see you getting rid of out of the county, to be honest with you.
2: Well, that would be the main thing I would want to talk to you about. Like the way to sustain success is to have the right structures in place, get the right coaching and bring on young players from the start. And you'd be heavily involved in that. Yes.
0: Yeah. So just touching on, on what I said there, Ben is in 2017, Dory Kent and me Martin rang me as the chair and vice chair of the County board. And they just asked me about would I, would I take a break from teaching and, and come in and, and just kind of drive on hurling in, in the County and, I suppose one of the biggest, the biggest thing that kind of put on to me was hurling 365. So if we get our primary schools right and we get our, our, our underage structures right in our clubs, that, that's probably one of the main things that we've spent our time with the last few years. But we also got to get our academy squads right. We got to get our post-primary schools right. Like you look at all the successful counties, their post-primary schools have to be competing at a fairly high level and their academy squads have to be run at a fairly top class level. And I think we're a long way along in the last two or three years now of really getting that right. Look, a time will tell. I, I think the miners last year is, is the real start of what we can, you know, it's kind of a sign that, that we we are doing things right and we are getting it right at a post primary level and at Academy Squad level. Well I think we're only seventy percent of the way there, seventy five percent of the way there. And I think and I, I think the lads touched on it, and if our players touch on it, the Academy Squad system now is a completely different system to when our current seniors went through it and look there was a hand hands up you have to remember our current seniors came through a great very good setup at the time too with joe and kevin and everyone like really top class like you know they're proven they've gone on to become really good senior players so we were doing something right it's not as if we were doing everything wrong in the past but time moves on and every county moves on and develops and dublin have money and and our competitors Kilkenny or Kilkenny, and every county moves on but we have to move on and I, I believe our count our squad players now are getting really good coaching over them. We've really good coaches involved, young coaches. You have Michael Jacob, you know, Richie Kyo over the 15s, Mick Morris, Roger Ennis, Benny Jordan. You have over the 16s, you have Mark Roster, Paddy Reedy, you know, James Tonks, you know, John Barn John Ormond. There's a load of them involved there. Miners, you have Aiden, Paul, Dermot O'Hanlon. 20s now, James Sheelan all stepped up. We have to have a, a conveyor belt, but like... We develop the player in a few ways. You've the hurler is what we always developed. But you have to develop the athlete and you have to develop the person. And I think we're starting to do that now. So an academy squad player now gets one gym session a week in school every week of the year and one Saturday before they go out and, and do their hurling session. We look after them. We, look, we, we take an interest in their education, when they're going to college, all that sort of stuff that the person, alcohol, gambling, drug awareness, everything that we're really kind of investing in in the whole person that hopefully... That conveyor belt of talent will come, you know. Um, look at it. Time will tell. Time will tell. I believe we're we're an awful lot along the way to doing it right, but we will see. We will see in time. I, I believe the minors last year can be the start of something if we if we keep progressing and the county board keep pushing it.
2: And just on all those things you're doing with trying to do with young players in the county. And how many young players are in the county? Are you, like, is there enough resources in the county to properly properly do those things?
0: Uh, I think so, Ben. Like, we, we have a very good, we have a different post-primary school system than Kilkenny, and sometimes it's a bit unfair to kind of, uh, just touch on post-primary for a minute. You know, Karens are Karens, but you look at Kilkenny at the minute, I'd say 90% of their squad players are going to two secondary schools. They're going to Karens and Kilkenny CBS. Then a few might be in Castle Comer or Callen or places around the place. In Wexford, it's very different. We have Peters and Councillor, or A colleges. But then we have four B colleges now. We have FCJ, we have Gordy CBS, we have Gorey, and we have Wexford CBS. The Wexford CBS have come from kind of a D.C. school now up to a competitive B. Like even senior hurling this year, Wexford CBS beat Castle Comer. They so were in the B all-hard final year before, which be unheard of kind of in past in Wexford. Gorey, were very unlucky not to win Leinster this year and a score to your competitive. We've kind of more of a spread of our players. And through the back end of the county board, we set up gyms in each school. So all the squad players don't have to travel. They get supervised gym sessions once a week in their school now, which was never done before. Then on Saturdays, they come up. Farns is a massive centre of excellence. We've all our squad players there, and they come like 9 o'clock, half 10, 12 o'clock. The players come with fantastic pitches up there. You know, you can get really good hurling work done, fast stuff. with huge numbers. We have a gym now all on the one place. Where in the past that wasn't there. The, the lads be ringing up to try and get a pitch and ask him more or foreigns or gate to see if was it available. And the county board are investing in that. And we can look at the staff. They're, they're, you know, there's, there's 13 full-time coaches now in Wexford. You know, we have a games manager in Ray Harris. We have four kind of GDAs with myself, Anthony, Shane, and Derek Hassan as performance GDA. And we have eight GPOs. That are kind of investing in the clubs I know Fors Ben Yevon there with uh, Geraldine Carter so she 's there full time twenty hours a week for foreigns in your school and in your club, so we are getting the structures right yes, we need to keep investing in it we need to keep improving it as i said we 're about seventy percent there, but I think we' we're, we're in a really good position and a really exciting position if we can kick on you know i 'm watching all the games like i 'm going to all the the squads the squad sessions and i'm going to the squad games and we're, we're as good as anything in the country. And, and I'm not just saying that. Like, I really believe it at 14, 15, 16, 17. I'm watching us play the top teams. And there's nothing to be. Cork are probably ahead of everyone at the minute on their edge. Cork at 15, 16, 17 are, seem to be kind of that bit ahead. That comes down to population. They're starting to get their structures right. But we're, we're as good as, as anything out there. you know. And it's only a matter of time, I believe. If we keep doing the right things and keep, get that 70%, to 80%, to 90% that we will be a consistent force at, at senior inter-county level.
1: It's kind of, it reminded me of something that Darren Stamp said. He just talked about yeah. like the alert team and the success they had. And he kind of attributed a lot of it back to growing up primary school and just always having hurdles in their hand because they had Rita Jacob as a teacher and she and another teacher, I can't remember her name, brought them out really? every day Like where o- other schools would get their coach coming in once a a week or once every two weeks, I think we had. They were getting out hurling at primary school every day and then they used to go, Mick Jacob Sr. used to bring them as well training every week and just have a bag of hurling balls and everyone would have a hurling ball. And it was just constantly. I
0: think think that's kind of what Hurling 365 is aimed at, lads, like that. There was a hurling advisory committee set up in 2012 or 2013 and Dermot Devrick set it up as county chair and, there was Liam Griffin chaired it. There was Adrian Fenn and Dara Ryan, Billy Byrne, Tom Dempsey, uh, myself and Liam and stuff. And we spent hours upon hours in the furry car to kind of come up with a blueprint for Wexford, Ireland. And the main thing that came up was our primary schools. That And I, and I just touched on it earlier. And eventually, I was teaching in Ballin at the time. and I used to bring the kids in with the club coaches before school on a Tuesday and Thursday morning. So I used to bring senior in and second class in on a Tuesday morning at half eight and the third to sixth class kids in on a Thursday morning at half eight. And they got forty-five minutes of hurling before school all year round because, you know, we couldn't do it at lunchtime. And I think the Racker League is only kind of really exposed to the fifth and sixth class kids. But what did the senior infants, first, second, third, fourth class get? So the owlert model was something we looked at. There was other count, other clubs we looked at as well that were doing this and they'd seen the crack low in clear. There was there was a few. And we decided that, you know, this is a model we can take. And now, I suppose, I, as I said, I was seconded then from primary school in the last few years to really drive it. And at the minute, we have over 30 clubs are doing it in, in the county, like both your clubs are doing it. It's, it's probably rare now, but it's not taking place. And we're just trying to create that love, foster that love in the, in the child, teach them the technical skill, and put a hurl in their hand that it becomes kind of, you know, it's such a hard sport to learn and such a hard sport to play, especially at a young age. If by 10, 11, you, you haven't got the basics, you'll probably give up on it because there's so much more. there's so many more options between you know soccer and, and rugby and, and swimming or whatever they can want to do or hanging around streets or whatever in, in urban areas so we, we're trying to create that that kind of how to hurl but also the love of the parish love of the club and get them up to the club and we're putting the pressure on the clubs to take ownership of it you know what I mean like John Young in your club Ben would be doing massive work going in there and he got a band of, of coaches together that are doing it you know Owen Quigley is doing it Gary up there McDean all in your club and it's yeah. just becoming the norm now in the county that we're putting hurls in their hand and we're exposing to it. And, you know, we need to keep at this now year on year and it just becomes part of their school routine that on a Tuesday morning before school or after school, I have hurling 365. And I think the strength of it is seen in sometimes even how we call it. Like people just call it 365 now. We not even call it hurling 365. The kids just, it's just part of their school routine, their weekly routine. And, and it's, only, it's, kind of, it's only in its infancy really properly, but long may it last. You know, it's going to have massive benefits club if the club's investing in that and build that strong club-school link. 100% right though, Gary. It needs to be done.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think we got 35 minutes every two weeks. Wouldn't have been the best, I don't think.
0: That was with the county coaches then, was it? The county coaches. No, they weren't,
2: they weren't bad coaches.
0: Uh, yeah, and they were probably only in times in the whole year, I'd say, as well. Because they had to get around to all the other schools. You know what I mean? Yeah, pretty much. So For 35 minutes, you barely
2: get changed. And then you have to get changed back into your school uniform. Yeah, we're
0: we're now we're trying yeah, now now this is on top of all that. This is the club coach is going in before and after school, but they're still getting that. And if you're a GPO club, as I said to you, like, you know, you get twenty hours at full time with a coach, you know, and we've kind of nineteen twenty clubs that have invested in that project now. Like t- take for example the Harriers in town here. The Harriers got Ray Harris as a GPO three years ago, three and a half years ago. And they had maybe fifty players playing between under seven and under nine, which is decent numbers, you know. But by the time Ray had finished, they had 120, 130 players in the club. And they run a mini All-Ireland up in Wexford Park. Sure, it has to lead to success. It has to lead, you know, I hope it does. You know what I mean? I hope all the work pays off and we all do. But, you know, it's just building that culture that hurling just becomes a part of their, their weekly routine, their daily routine, their life. Is
2: there any resistance from trying to get into a school? Is there any teach, say schools, principals who are just like, no, this is a place of learning and DGA is not our agenda.
0: I haven't really experienced it now. Maybe the odd school, but the clubs that come to us to want to start it, they have to be organized for us. So they have to have a band of volunteers. So say if I go to Furns, for example, and I meet John Young and I meet Peter Nolan and they said to me, we want to start this, which did happen. I would say to them, okay, you need to give me, you need to get about 10 coaches that will, will be there on time every week the biggest plus to this is when you do it outside school hours, the principal is far more inclined to let it happen because it doesn't interfere with class. You know what I mean? It, it's not interfering with a swimming or gymnastics program or athletics program that they might be getting coaches in for the, or the teachers are doing. It's It's before school. The kids are in their line. It's like club coaching on the school grounds, if that makes sense. It's like the club coaches go in. There might be a teacher help out. There might not be a teacher help out. They coach for 40 minutes before school. 10 minutes then they get a drink and a snack. And they're in their line. so it doesn't interfere at all with the, with the school. The only thing the principal is worried about is you know the level of trust with the, with the coach. will they be reliable or will they not turn up and you have kids standing outside the school for an hour before school starts? But ultimately when you go to the school and I meet them, so I go on behalf of the Wexford GA. the club goes and we sit down with the principal, we draw up a timetable. we have a WhatsApp group then set up for the coach to come and coach and it basically kind of runs like clockwork then. And, and the numbers then that come are great. But there's no interference with the class or the school. You know what I mean? It doesn't interfere with the teacher. And, and teachers have commented in number of schools how alert they are then. It's promoting a, a healthy, active lifestyle. It's promoting doing a training session before school or doing a coaching session. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, not an awful lot of people going to work will go to the gym before work. So why is it different for children? You're, you're teaching them kind of the right values in life. They'll hopefully, you know, recognize the club. The club then will you know, be in there the whole time and get them up to the club. And then they become kind of lifelong members of the club. It's working, and and the clubs are seeing it.
2: Yeah, that's something I always thought that um, you should be able to start hurling in school, as opposed to in reality. When I was in school, you had to be hurling with the club first, and you might be able to hurl with the school then. Whereas now it seems that you can start it in school.
0: An awful lot of it is that they will have that club school link. If you take if you take it right, you every kid in the parish in the one building for five hours a day, for five days of the week. So, you know, if you ask a kid up to the club at seven o'clock, the parent might know about it. They, you know, they have no they've no relationship with G A. They don't know what it is or whatever. But if you have it on the school grounds, the kid will go to it. If the kid loves it, then just says to ma'am, ma'am, we have training in the club. I do it in the school at seven o'clock. You know, John is my coach. He's done with me in the school as well. Can he come up uh, or like, can I go do that? They will do it. And the one thing we do as well in 365 is, you know, we help them out with helmets and hurls. So if they don't have a helmet or hurl, we'll get it for them. We will, like whether it's an old one lying around the home or it's a new hurl that we invest in them or whatever, we will get them, um, we will get them it. And, and we reward schools as well. Like we have a hurling 365 flag as well that the schools get. So the principals love this. They get a big day, a Wexford day, where we deliver the flag if they do it for over a year. And we get county players to deliver it so you know we'd have and and the seniors are brilliant they go around and and they deliver it and the school has a great day so the principal see we're getting rewarded for doing it we might throw in the odd bits of gear or prizes as well along the way so it just to me it's a no brainer if we don't work in our school like Gary you said it you know Darren Stamp is still talking about it you know in his his 30s now about the reason they were successful was the primary school like you know TJ Reid won a a club All-Ireland he's won a few of them but after one of them he said what's the success and he said this started in the primary school he said, every day, hurling, hurling, hurling. And he said, this started with our principal, Joe Dunphy. So like, when he, you know, now we're after winning the club final, he's still putting it back to the primary school and the teacher in, in the primary school or the principal in the primary school. Like, it's just common sense, isn't it? Like, you know, sorry. sorry you know, if you work in your primary school, you get the kids to the pitch, they're getting loads of of, of hurling and football in school and they're getting it up in the pitch. For sure,ly the club is going to be stronger. You know, it's, to me, to me, it just makes, it's common sense. It's a lot of work, but it's common sense.
1: Yeah no definitely
2: And is there much Monitoring And coaching Like you, you'd you be teaching The coaches in the club What to be doing Exactly yeah, or,
0: yeah, yeah we Yeah so what What we do Ben is So when the club agrees That they're going to do it I'll go out And I'll do a coach To coach a session With the club So if Ferns say They're going to start it I'll go out to Ferns And I'll coach the, You know the Harlan 365 coaches One night Then what we'll do is I might go to the first Few sessions Or I might If they want me to And help out then every year, then we have two workshops. So we had our first ones last year and we we're meant to do them this year, but everything's actually changed changing with COVID and everything. But, and like the response is incredible, lads. You wouldn't believe it. Like on the 31st of January, it was freezing in 2019. We had 112 coaches turn up to Buffers Alley, 365 coaches from North Wexford. And we did it the following Wednesday in Bano for the South and we had 66 coaches turn up. That's over 180 coaches in Wexford dealing with under 12 players that were turning up the workshops in how to coach correctly to small kids like to me that shows the interest alone in the county absolutely
1: wow that's that's big numbers
0: yeah it was phenomenal now it was really rewarding it was, it was brilliant now there was great buzz at it and everything and, and like for every coach that's there they're probably dealing with you know 20 players so if every coach deals with 20 players across the across the county and they're doing it in the right way you know the county has to be in a, in a better place if they're getting proper coaching
2: Has every club on board
0: no no not every club a lot see we do up the numbers usually in March every year kind of late February March every year because you know some years a, a school, mostly they do it every year but there might be the odd break but last year there was 35 of the clubs in the county 34 of the clubs in the county were on board with it
2: and would that be say you have all the big clubs or would it be like say just for example no. Owlert we probably don't necessarily need it if you know what I mean
0: I would say Owlard would argue against you and say they need it more than ever. And, and oh, that's uh, kind of what, maybe. What they, no, no, no. But that's what they've done. Like, Darren Nolan has got the principal in the ballot, And he has Shane Reddy as his club school link officer. And Shane and uh, has his band of coaches with Darren. And they go in in the mornings and they work really hard at it. Uh, Gary, it's been a huge success in Asking more with Owen Quigley and John Robin and all. And you've won a numerous amount of record league and camogie titles and, and Hurland the last number of years. Yeah,
1: we, we can never get to use the pitch ourselves. We, we had to go buy three new pitches.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a good problem, isn't it? It is a good problem, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and you can see this, even the strength of the camogie up there, Gary, like, you know, fail all Ireland and stuff. Like, that's yeah. kind of, you know, for like a tiny population, you know, really small numbers. It, yeah. it's, it's totally mixed, Ben. Like, Tom Brack do it their a small, tiny school. Ross Lair, like, say, a gold club wise, then Ross Lair are doing it, going to town. The Harriers are doing it, who are a big club and needed to do it in the town. You know, you can go to a really you know, Clongeen are one of the success stories of it. They do it every Friday. They have one school, ninety kids in it. That's all they're feeding off. They've, you know, they're you know, they're doing it and it's been a huge success for them. They they love it. They just think it's brilliant. And they had a flag and they'd lean right down last year. And you know, a place that probably wouldn't traditionally have been that way. They just thought it was it was unbelievable. So it's a total mixed bag, uh, Ben. It's it's completely you have some of the smallest clubs and you've some of the biggest clubs and and you know, you're some doing it and look, that's not to say the clubs who, who aren't doing it aren't working either, you know, they could be doing it in a different guise or a different way, might be running the lunchtime leagues or they could be, you know, they could have a really good club set up that you know, they're not driving, the Shell started last year and they got the three schools doing it, you've Kay Kelly doing it, you know, which is inspiring to see, you know, somebody who has nine All-Stars and four All-Order medals and there she is going in and early in the morning and coaching kids you know, so it, it look, at the club will get out of it what it puts into it and, and you've all seen that and you know, the harder and more organised the club is on their age, the more success they're going to have adult. And we can, all, we can all put our finger back to success. So Darren put it back to the primary schools and, and TJ Reid put it back to the primary schools. And I hope that if different clubs are successful in 10 years, they'll be putting a finger back to. Geez, remember when we used to do 365 in primary school? Three used to come in it was brilliant. But we're only at the start of it now. We're only, you know, we won't see it for another five or 10 years, really.
2: Has Michael Dagenham come calling yet? In Awfully? No. He was on the second captains a few months ago when he became the chairman in Offaly and said he planned on looking at the structure in, Wex- in Wexford to see what he could, could he mirror something like it in Offaly.
0: Okay, no, he was actually... He presented the medals at the Gory Dinner Dance and he just had a brief chat with me, but he kind of was very in... He was clued in and he knew in Wexford what we were up to. He knew that we were kind of getting our, our structures right and there was a lot of investment going in to our structures but you know I've not no, like other counties Cork Cork are they're always on to me the Rebel O-Coach and Colin Crowley and, and stuff you know, he know like they know what we're doing we're not hiding it or anything like that it's other counties if they want to buy into it they can buy into it but this is just something in Wexford we believe in having a strong club school link and, and you know ultimately we hope it pays, it pays off all the hard work pays dividends for the clubs and ultimately if the clubs are strong Wexford will be strong but no he, he hasn't been on to me or anything about it
2: No, I just think it's a bit, it's very... It shows we're going in the right direction if, you know, people are talking on national media wanting to to copy the system or take things from the system.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And as I said to you, like, everything is just a small cog in a massive wheel. Like, 365 and Pell for All are only tiny cogs in the whole of the GA. Like, Like, there's no point working hard in your school if your club coaching is diabolical. Do you know what I mean? Or, like... Everything has to, like, there's no point in all of us putting massive work into the academy squads if our post primary schools aren't doing any work. And, and likewise, if the post primaries don't do any work, our squads won't be strong. And everything is linked together. It's like, it's like kind of a, you know, it's like a, what would you call it, a bus going on a journey like that. You know, we're only on little steps of the way along the bus. And ultimately, hopefully, some people are on the bus by the time they get off at senior inter county level. Majority won't, 95, 99% of them won't be on it but they'll be somewhere along the way they'll be in the club everything is only a, a small cog in and in hopefully a good structure every small cog is vitally important if that makes sense
2: yeah I'd imagine you're back strong doing administration work with that then
0: yeah there's 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 loads that there's loads of work kind of uh, with that so yeah there is you'd always be on to schools asking them you know do they want anything do they need any, you'd be always on to the clubs you know as I said we were hoping to run more workshops again this year but uh, kind of COVID caught up with us at the time we were kind of going through the Leinster ones early in the year this year the tourist model where we get all the club coaches in and then we're going to hit the schools and stuff like that but yeah look there's I'd be as I said I'm very excited about what's going on in Wexford at the minute I'm very excited what where we can go to but I, I don't want it to kind of you know as I said we're only 70% of the way there there is another 30% in it structurally even an and organization wise and, and with players and stuff like that like for example this year we were hoping to set up a, an under 19 rookie squad in Wexford that hadn't been done before. So we had, we have 36 players in the under 20 squad, but we have another 30, 35 players in an, in a kind of a, a development squad that didn't make the 20 panel because as I'm sure as everyone has seen is the jump from 17 since minors gone to 17 up to to adult is massive and, and players are getting lost along the way. So this rookie squad was going to get the same as the twenties in terms of you know, gear, support from the county board financially. They were going to have an athletic development program. You know, because you take last year's minors. They won Leinster. They were a good bunch. What happens to them next? You know, probably four or five of them make the 20 panel. Maybe a bit more. What happens to the other 25, 30 lads that were on the panel? Do we know? Like, do we just trust that they're going back to their clubs and hoping that they're doing something good? So this is a way of keeping them in a structure. And, and that was hopefully another cog in the wheel that was setting up this year. And we had great people lined up to be involved. You know, Griffin was going to help out. JJ Doyle, Keith Rossiter, Mags, Kay Kelly, you know, loads of other coaches were going to help out with that as well. To give, You know, we were going to do talks on, you know, third level education, whether it's, you know, electric or, you know, if they want to be electricians or plumbers, helping them out there. All that sort of stuff. It's all been set up, but we're not there yet. We're, we're probably, you know, in the midst of setting it up and, and kind of establishing it further. I don't know what you think about that, but... I think it's, it's a vital age that we need to hit. What's the point in working so hard up the minor and then I, probably having no plan of where to go next?
2: I think it's an incredible, important age. But just if you think about it, coming out of minor, we we'll have lost a lot of lads who came out of minor and all of a sudden, oh, you have to go play a junior, you have to go play a senior into the men's dressing room. And it can be intimidating. And I'd assume it's even more t- intimidating for the lads coming out of under 17. They're even younger again.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Ben. And, and I see it like, you know, I suppose I'm involved with a senior club in Wexford. So I see it. And, you know, we would have had, you know, kind of very good minors coming out the last few years. But it's very hard to break into that adult team. And it's very hard to kind of take the next step up, no matter how good of a minor you are and what structure they're going into. Like, is it a really strong setup? Is it a kind of a half setup? Is, you know, and they're leaving a minor setup. And a lot of them are only in transition, you remember, or fifth year. Like they're really young, and they're they're being expected to, as you say, jump in. Even maturity-wise, like you know the goings on in, in in adult dressing rooms, like the two of you, like you know the messing and the and the WhatsApp groups and everything that happens in them. And These lads might be really nervous and young, and physically they could be nine, ten stone still, and they're be expected to be put up with with kind of lads, you know, seasoned club players and inter county players, and to filter back into it. And they're in the condition of their life. They're in the gym for the last five or six years, two nights of the week, and everything that goes with that. So it's a, there's a massive hurdle that needs to be overcome. I'm not sure any county has the right answer for it yet, but this was something in Wexford that I was really excited about setting up, is that we would have not a tokenism of an under-19 setup, up, a, a really well-invested under-19 setup that these young lads would buy into. And then instead of having 35 or 36 in the 20s, we'd now have 70, 80 hurdlers involved between those age groups that would develop in a year's time or two years' time. You know, I just think it's vital. I think, clubs, I think clubs are going to be caught big time. I think the clubs don't really know what to do with them yet. I don't know what you find. But I think they're, they're sort of in a, in a bit of a no-man's land. In the middle, They're trying to filter them to But as you said, they're not probably mature enough just yet.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the best initiatives I've heard of, really. It was, it was a problem anyway before it went to 17, I think.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. And as you lads know, too, like, they're doing the leaving. sort, they're probably heading into sixth year, you know, at 18, 19. And then some of them are going to college and, you know, the challenges of that. So we have to have some support in place in the county that, that we have to look after these players that, you know, and, and I, I spoke about it earlier. It's not just the hurler. It's the athlete, or the athletic development, the gym programs and the monitoring of that that we have organized for them. But it's also, lads, there's so much more to it. Like, you know, there's social media pressures that these lads are under, like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You know, I don't even know some of them, and I'm not. I hope I'm not that old. You know, there's drink. There's not drink becomes a massive part of it in social life. You know, there's there's their own identity is kind of being found. Then when they leave post primary and they head to to university, what courses are they doing in college? Like, are we taking an interest in that, or are we helping them? Are we like we've we've connections in Wexford? G. Everyone here has connections with with someone in third level that would look after them or in Dublin. You know, and, and even little things like mentoring, like. So say a lad goes to first year, he could be living in an absolutely we've all lived in these houses in college that you wouldn't let your mother into, as simple as that, like you know. Well I think I'm
2: in one right now.
0: Yeah, probably. But <laughs> <laughs> and but like, do we have lads living in Dublin that can maybe bring him out for a dinner and ask him how they are? We've loads of businessmen up there. We've a great supporters club up there. Do you know, like, why couldn't, you know, Matty White or these lads that are up in Dublin or Pori Curtsford Football or whatever, take a lad out or a few lads out. To the Still Oregon Park, buy him a bit of lunch and ask him how he is, how's life going, kind of helping everything. Can we do it, all that? But all it takes is a bit of organ- These people are only been wait to be asked. You know, I'm sure if we were asked to help out in some form of capacity, you'd like, yeah, of course I'd love to, but no one's ever asked me. So we're only starting to open doors that probably weren't even thought of at the time. But, you know, I suppose it's only in its infancy, it's only starting and it needs to be run over a successful period for the players to buy into it and for us to kind of start seeing the benefit of it
1: did want to talk about your achievement with gory
0: <laughs> well after hammering me about 2013 with the miners now <laughs>
1: yeah
0: we, we'll talk a bit about
1: <laughs> talk a bit about the, the old senior county final with, with gory when did you start with gory
0: i started in 2017 and just touching back on what you were asking about earlier i remember leaving the, the senior set up in 16 the Wexford set up and lean didn't get reappointed and everything and you know, I was kind of at a very low ebb, coaching-wise. My confidence was just kind of gone, and I was getting fed up, and I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. And it was nothing to do with anyone. It just was in myself. Like, players go through dips like that as well, and I was just really finding, geez, I, I just had no interest. And I remember just going, like, will I just throw these cones into the Slaney and these whistles and be done with it and whatever? But anyway, Louis Cullen rang me at the end of 16, and I kind of initially said no, and then he rang me again, and, I said I'd meet them and I'd have to just say that the height of praise for for the lads in the club like you have to remember Louis Cullen Pat Doyle and Podge Cronin took over them at under 11 under 10 they brought them the whole way up to adult in 2015 they took over them to one intermediate their first year in 2016 they got to a quarter final and gave Euler a really really good game their first year up in Wexford Park and they lost by the four points and would won the final out and I came in then in 17 I think they were just trying to kick it on a little bit more Harlem-wise, and I didn't know much about the Gory Lads, see, I wouldn't have been in school, Wouldn't I? you know, I went to Peter's, so I, I wouldn't have been up in go. Gore- I wouldn't have, you know, I'm in a different district, I wouldn't have known a whole lot of them be- well, bar the lads who were in county squads, I have to say, I just love it up there, I just really enjoy them, they're a young, hungry, kind of talented bunch that are just, you know, they're, they're, they're great messers, there's they're great fun with them, but they're hard workers, and they're serious too, and you know, we had good young lads coming through in the last year. So 17, we were beaten in the semi-final by the Martins. You know, we ran them close. I think we got back level about 10 minutes to go. Max scored a goal. And they kind of kicked on. Rory scored two brilliant goals after it. And we lost by four or five points. But I knew it was all positive, if you know what I mean, from Gory point of view. They'd won intermediate in 15. They'd got to a quarterfinal in 16 in the first year. And now in 17, they got to their first semi-final in 30-odd years. And then 18, kind of just, the momentum kept going. And we had an injection of young lads like Charlie, McGuckin, Jack Cullen, Owen Malloy were just out of minor. They were just 19 in 18. So they'd kind of come up, they were in and about in, in 17, but they kind of come up properly, strongly in, in 18. And we lost our first game. There was one round of senior. We lost the first round down in Hollymount to Ratnyor with two points. Jack was playing sweeper. Jack Giney, he, he powered first. Uh, you know, he kind of, he mopped up and you know, we kind of took a lot of lessons from it, but we put in a huge summer. And we had a really good league campaign in the summer and practice game kind of run. And then just when it came back, it just clicked. And the momentum kind of went with us. You know, we played Farns when we came back. We bet them really well in Belfield. But they overturned it this year, I do that last year. We had Glenn Barrington, the great game. We bet them. And really, I think the club started to believe when we bet Euler in the park. So Euler we, were awesome in the first 20 minutes. I don't know if any of you were at it. We were down 12 points to two after about 20 minutes and I was standing on the line going, holy Christ, what am I going to do here? Like, you know, they were pinging balls over the bar and they were doing everything. Slowly we got into it. We dropped Gary back and we sat running the ball like we do, like kind of how we play. And we got into it and we were nine points down at halftime and we won the game by eight. You know, it was a huge, we were 10 but down. We won it by an 18-point turnaround in 40 minutes of hurling. And it kind of gave the lads confidence that if we can beat Owlert, we can beat anyone. We beat the Anns in the quarterfinal. And then we had a kind of an epic game against Gate in the semi semifinal. Like, we were seven points down and Cahill got sent off and um, with 14 men. Then we won by four. We turned it around. That was kind of, That's in these lads. They're just they're kind of a never-say-die attitude. They're just they're really united. They're a really close bunch. And uh, then the final came against the Martins. And it was a huge occasion. Kind of. we, we set out goals for them throughout the whole year that we want to be the first scoring team to win the group. We wanted to be the first Gory team to get to a final. They'd never been in a final before as a club. And then when we got to the final, we wanted to be the first Gory team to win it. So these were our goals. Like this, this one was our big target, the first to do a lot of things. And it just happened that it just worked out great. And look, what, it was a brilliant day and, and the town erupted. And I'll never forget the homecoming. I'm not from Gory, but geez, the homecoming that night was just, you would, you know, the county team would get it. Like we walked down from the monument up to the pitch and the streets, town, the main street was lined with, green and white flags and kids out and, and it was just it was, um, it was actually incredible like I, I, you know it was just amazing and even to be fair to the Kyle Neeran lads they were beaten the day before in the um, football replay remember against the Shells yeah and they all came out as well they were in a few of the pubs in town and they all came out and to be fair to them Matty and, and Rookie and Connor David all of them and they were really you know they, they kind of cheered, they cheered them on to be fair just, it was just an amazing experience to be part of and I was very lucky be part of it, but I suppose you don't think back of it too much now, because I'm only in the middle of it. There's, there's so much more to go with this group. Whether look at whether I'm there or whatever, there, there's, this Gory group can can really contest at, at the highest level in Wexford. If they if they buy into it and if they if they stay at it and if they keep the the same belief and camar- camaraderie we've we've a hell of a championship in Wexford. It's it it really is kind of you know 12 teams and anyone can beat anyone. You know on a given day anyone can beat that you saw it last year. The Martins lost the last group game to Feathered. If if the Martins had won that, the Anns wouldn't have got out of the group. And yet the Anns then go on to the county final and beat anyone can beat anyone. And you have to be so right in every given day that it's really hard championship to win. So that's why it was very rewarding when we did win it. And, and to beat Owler along the way and to beat the Martins along the way, you know, for people to say, okay, they're probably the two best teams in the county, and you did beat them along the way, so you did really earn it. And it's something that the, the, the lads will have with them forever to be the first team in the club to win it.
1: And you, you talked about setting the the goals along the way, being the first scoring team to top the group, being the first scoring team to get to the final and then, then to win it. Were there goals in 2017 as well? Is, is this something that you brought into them as a group, setting the certain goals um, along the
0: way? M- maybe. You'd probably have to ask the players that. I, I kind of just do it off myself as a coach. So maybe. I, I suppose 17 was a big introduction to them in terms of kind of new tactics and new ways of playing kind of new ways of, of of kind of my way of playing in ter- in terms of how I felt the team should be set up. And to be fair to the lads, as I said, Louis, Pat and Podge just bought into it and they kind of let me, you know, with discussion with them, the, the, tr- the three lads, you know, they're very strong in their opinions too. But how we set the team up, how would we work on our puck out so much? How would we work on dropping lads back or maybe pushing up or the style of play that we play? So that was an introduction in 17. And I heard John Kiley on the Sunday game last night, if you know heard him, and he said it as well, we did an awful lot of work in 17 that led to 18. Yeah. You know, and we got an awful lot of belief out of it. So we had a kind of a new style of play, maybe. Jory Fitzpatrick came in with in the winter pro, winter program of 17, heading to 18, and he set up the gym program for them. And lads really bought into it. You know, they're all coming the right age. Like we, as I said, we had the three young lads turning 19. Then we had, you know, the Owen Conrys and all were now becoming from under 21, they were now becoming 22, 23 year olds you know, the whole, they, were, they were getting, you know, Paul Doyle now wasn't a kid anymore. He was 25, 26, 27. You know, so they were getting that bit more exposure to it and it was the natural kind of progression. And I think last year then was only our, was the first time in a long number of years where they've had a big setback where it hasn't been a positive year. But 17 was definitely a massive building step. And I think by running the Martins so close in the semifinal and, and kind of getting to a semifinal and a big crowd at it, I think it kind of wet their appetite that we can be you know, we had a kind of players' meeting, I remember, at the start of the year where we'd, we'd go through a, a lot of stuff in, on videos and stuff like that. And I remember a few of the players saying, we believe we can be in the top three in the county. You know, last year we were in the top four, but we believe day on day we can be in the top three in the county. And, and how we go from three to one was was the big challenge. But it's very easy in through to fall from three to 12 too. You know, like to Bond, we're in the county final 16, the relegated in 17.
1: Is that adding to the Wexford panel's strength at the moment, we talked about it with Darren Stamp as well, the, the competitive now in senior and in intermediate.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree. I, I think the top, you know, I don't know, I think the top, maybe all the intermediate clubs, I definitely think the top six intermediate clubs would compete very strongly with the senior clubs. I think were the, where we get caught out, and I kind of found it with the Gory Lads at the start, is that, it to, and it's going back to our point with Wexford with a young bunch or whatever, or sometimes is consistency, Gary, is that, you know, you might be able to do it on a given day or over two days. Well, can you do it over five days in a group? And then can you do it for three more to win out a championship? Like you have to play eight games to win a championship. And I think that's probably the biggest difference between between maybe intermediate and, and senior. But And maybe kind of a team who's emerged and a team who's actually established is they can all do it on a given day. It's whether you can do it over over the eight days is, is the big challenge. And that's where the Martins and Euler have found themselves so successful. And probably that bit of step ahead is they can do it when it matters most on the big day like the Martins have been in three county finals in a row now so don't forget like and they've won two of them sorry four county titles in a row and they've won two of them and you know so they're doing it consistently but I, I would agree that the championship is a great championship like you go to Belfield in August and you have a double header and the place is packed and you have really really good games and, and you're doing the warm up about the back and you hear the roars from inside and, and you know there's nothing between them like there's, there's nothing between any team you know, as I said, we lost to and 18 by two points. We won it out. Last year, we beat them by a point. You know, there, there's, there's very little between the year before we hammered Furns and last year Furns hammered us. So, to me, it's, it's a great championship. It's, it's, it's enjoyable. It's bringing crowds to the games. And, and it's definitely benefiting wakes. tell you, it's really benefiting the younger player who plays. They're getting a lot of exposure to, to good games and highly competitive games. Yeah. Have you ever been to Cra- Craven Cottage? I have been to Craven Cottage. How did you hear that story, Gary Dorn? <laughs> what happened in Craven Cottage? I went to see Fulham play. Nothing else. Are you sure? So one of my best friends lives over in London. And I went over to visit him there, I don't know, two years ago, whatever. I was flying back, or I just arrived. Fulham against Middlesbrough. I don't know how you heard this story, Gary. And I had the gear bag with me, so I was check going in. And I put it you know, underneath my feet there, and the same as you would in Crow Park, with your sandwich bag or whatever you see people carrying in, or their tops or whatever, and went out at half time. thing I see, loads of people leaving the stand, an hour section, I didn't know what it was for. I never thought anything of it. I went back in then for the start of the second half, or just after half time, and my bag wasn't there. And I said to people around, so did anyone know where my bag is? And... <laughs> Uh, so basically what happened is the, the drug squad or the, the bomb squad came in, the police and the bomb squad came in with the sniffer dogs and everything and took my bag away and evacuated that section of the stand. And I had to go down to the head of the security in Fulham and get my bag back and, and plead with them that I wasn't going to cause any damage to the stand. And just they ate me that, you know, you're in London now and, and we're at the height of terrorism and you leave a non black bag in the middle of a football stadium and walk off. So anyway, I evacuated a whole stand in, uh, nearly called off a game in, uh, in the Craven <laughs> Cottage. So it's a funny story to tell. I don't know how you heard it though, Gary. Uh,
1: I have to keep my sources private, you know. Just on coaching. Yeah. It's a, a pet peeve of mine
2: when I think about what we did when I was young. And I think, I think where Wexford were behind the curve. Did you play ground hurling under 11?
0: I think we did. There were certain tournaments, wasn't there? There was actual yeah. like... I remember playing
2: tournaments. Played for three years, I think, every summer. The whole summer is basically made up of ground <laughs> early, nearly.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, under 11 now is goal game down. So it's like everyone gets a game in different positions and stuff like that. And we've even teams and stuff. Yeah, what, actually, one thing that I've come into, and I didn't really know what I was getting into in the job, but when I, when I kind of came in in 17, was that Leinster have a fantastic player pathway. So they set up this, it's called Torres T-U-R-I-S, it's Irish for journey you've probably seen it online or on Twitter or on Facebook and stuff so basically is what we do now in Wexford is we bring all the coaches together at a certain age group so say I could go to Buffers Alley and book out the arena and I could ask maybe seven or eight clubs all around all their under 11 management to come in and we'll spend the night together me and another two coaches maybe you know working out you know how to look after players how to speak to players how to plan training sessions and then we'll go into the arena and we'll spend an hour an hour and a half showing them how to do games-based coaching and what they should be doing, age-appropriate coaching. And we do that for every age group. So you do that at nursery, 7, 9, 11, 13, 15, and 17. And then what you do is if the club coach wants, he can ask you out and you can observe him coaching. So then we'll do a session for them so they can see what age-appropriate coaching is. So they get to see a workshop get and they get one or two club visits as well. So it's trying to get that age-appropriate game-based coaching in guys we're all creatures of habit. Like, we'd all, you know, go back to drills or go back to, you know, very technical stuff instead of actually teaching it through fun games. Or, you know, the biggest thing I, I probably stressed now as a coach in the last year or two is that whatever philosophy you have or core value you have and how a team should play. So, like, you know, stop putting kids into drills of 4v4 or five of you behind the cone there and run out and jab lift and come back. Do it in a fun game that actually is related to a match. Like... For example, how many times in a match will you roll lift in a row? Like, will you ever get six roll lifts in a row in a match? Probably not. So after your roll lift, what should you do next with it? Okay, take your steps. What should you do then? Probably hand pass it or hit it. Okay, so put that into a game. So now, if you jab lift, lads, I want you to, you know, you're going to beat a man here, then you're going to strike it in because that's what happens in a match, you know. And then you're then coaches are wondering when they see their kids play. Just I worked on jab lift for the last month and they're still not getting it because you're not working on it with a lad hitting him a shoulder in the back or a hurl underneath his hurl or four or five lads scrambling for it you're doing it in a, in a free way where he has a ball each so once the technical skill is taught at a young age put him into games that that relate to actual matches like you know and, and that's right the way up to adult you know if you're, ways, playing
2: with, you're coaching them to drop the ball then once he picks it up
0: yeah but sure exactly and then he does that in a match or he, or he goes to hit it straight away and he gets hooked and a lad is shout the coach is shouting at him will you take your steps but sure, he's never been coached to do that you know what I mean there has to be there, there has to be a follow on to it so once the technical skill is kinda of taught, bring it in then to, to games, like bring it into to loads of fun different games. Not matches, it doesn't have to be matches, but loads of different um, challenges that they can do. And that that, that I hope like that's right to way up to adults, like you know, that if you're playing two inside, that means you have to coach your inside forwards. You're always going to be outnumbered. So in training they should be outnumbered in, in small sided games, or they should be working on finding space and stuff like that. But I suppose as coaches we don't do that enough. We we kinda we coach like I, how many times have you left the session and you don't really remember what you worked on you just trained would that be fair enough to say
2: yeah
0: yeah so like what are you working on tonight what's the aim of tonight's training session so if it's all like small tackling obviously you're teaching them to tackle better why because when the back wins are you wanted to work them out get into some sort of space and then find somebody inside or, or use it or score from distance but sometimes we just coach we just train and we don't coach that's the way I word it and, and like you know we're we're, train, we're doing a training session but we're not doing any coaching and i think that has to that has to change across the board and that's what we're trying to change across in underage in Wexford and at adult level and it's something i strongly believe in whatever way you want your team to play coach that way simple as that
1: well when that's the case you don't stay with a team forever and for example you took over in 2017 with Gorey and it took you a year of probably coaching them to play in a certain way and then in 2018 everything worked out well but is is that something like do you change everything to your style once you're in there? Or is there leeway? Does it depend on the team you take over?
0: Yeah, no, Gary, you're right. It depends on the team you take over. For example, the way I probably have the Gory team set up wouldn't suit maybe a few other senior clubs in Wexford. Yeah. Just, you know, the age profile of teams, the, the kind of the athleticism of some teams. So, it, you know, I suppose the way we coach and, and the way I kind of coach this group is very much based on the players we have in front of us. Where if I had a different team you'd be coaching them. Kind of, like, there's no way I could train this Gory team the same way as I could train the Ratniore team of 10-11. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like Paul Codd was an incredible harder, one of the best club hurlers I've seen, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't suit the midfield that we have Gory currently set up to do. But he'd have another role somewhere else along the way. So exactly. Like would Frank Flannery, for example, would he be able to train the Euler team now the way he was five years ago? Maybe he would. I don't know. Or have him set up. You know, it depends on on who you have in front of you at the given time, and how you assess how you can put them into the best place to 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 uh, to set up. I suppose, doesn't
1: it? Yeah. So, would it take you long then once you start with the team to understand how you want them to play? Like what what you're working with here?
0: Uh, I think some of the basics stay the same. So, like like yeah, you, you kind of have certain traits that you will always drive in. So, using the ball, you know, maybe some poke out things that you do. You know, some some form of it will always stay. But you got to know the players. Like you, gotta, you got to you got to know what they can do. Like you know, do we have pace in this area or are they slow in this area? Do we have a ball winner in the half forward line that's really good in the air that we can just say outs long on, or do we have no one that can catch the ball? So now we need to work on a moving and trying to find space for pokeouts. And you know, it it it's yeah, it takes a while to figure out the players at club level, I suppose. And that's why maybe it took me seventeen to eighteen. You know, kind of to, to get to know them. Like I, I didn't know who I won't, I didn't know like half the lads up there until I went up there. Like I might have seen him play club, but I didn't know much about him. Or the young lads, I might have seen him in one underage game, but I didn't know enough about Jack Cullen or Charlie or, or O'Malley to say he can do this or he can't do that. And it takes you a while, a while to kind of uh, to grapple with that. It, it, I suppose it's different at county level. Like at county level, they're all probably going to be fairly athletic. You know, fairly incredibly fit. But then you can put your own style on it. Like, I'd say Davy would put that style on any of the county teams he takes over. Like, if he was yeah. over Dublin, I would say he'd probably implement that style. Now, he might tweak it a little bit differently, but I, I would say he would. Paul Knark, probably in Limerick, if he was over Tipperary, he'd probably put in the same style Limerick are playing, because that's what he believes in. And he can do, you know, when you've, you've 15 good players and you've everything like that. But at, at club level, you're, and I suppose at county level to a degree, but at club level especially, you gotta plan what's in front of you, and then also on top of that, you gotta plan for the opposition. What are they gonna do? Get your matchups right. So who's marking who? Do you think he'll get the better of him? Do you think he'll be able for him? What way do you think you should set up?
2: Who's the best player you've
0: ever played with? Oh, well, you'll have to ask me. Different one, coached.
2: <laughs> I go with that. Well, <laughs> unless, unless, like,
0: unless, unless I want to bring up a Clenard grade. Okay, you know, Kieran Ling entertain. Um... <laughs> I'll give you three, right? I'll give you three. Is that fair enough? These are players you coached. Yeah, and I'll give them in different places. Okay? I thought David Kenny from Offaly was absolutely outstanding in UCD. Thought, you know, they used to play fullback, centre-back, got injured. Him, Liam Rush was outstanding in UCD. Dotsie, there was a few them. But David Kenny was particularly outstanding for the year I had him in UCD. Darren McConnelly in Harlan terms, was exceptionally good. I mean, incredibly good in Vincent's. He was special. He could have been one of the, you know, a Conor Callan hurling type. Just brilliant hurler. But I'd say I'd have to probably overall, especially with the Gory connection, I'd have to give it to Conor McDonald. I think, and had him at minor as well. I think Conor has the potential to be, you know, anything he wants. Like, you know, and, and I think he gets a little bit hard done by at times, maybe media-wise and stuff. That Like, say, last year he was the third highest scorer from playing the championship behind Callan and Patrick Horgan. But no one ever mentions it or it was never mentioned. You know? But I'd say Connor MacDonald I'd I'd probably give it to.
2: Who is the toughest player you've ever planned to negate?
0: Oh, geez, there's a good one. Joe Canning, L I T. With UCD, Fitzgibbon, Joe Canning. If you remember Joe Canning as a Fitzgibbon hurler, he was just, you know, unmarkable. He was two two eight, two ten every game. He was just he was just brilliant. So Joe Canning.
2: What what did you try do to stop him?
0: We actually now this is a funny story. Davey was over LIT and it was my last year in UCD and we actually played a sweeper against them and they had no clue what to do with it for ages. So what we did is we had David Kenny to man mark Joe Canning and we had David Langton from Clara and Kilkenny as centre-back and he would just drop straight back in front of Canning. Just not even, he wouldn't even worry about the centre-forward. We had one of the midfielders would go straight back, centre-back and we had our centre-forward would go midfield I think it was Peter Atkinson. If you remember, Peter was in the extra team at the time. He was in UCD for one year. And then we left two inside. We let Liam Rush inside and we actually were, they, didn't, they hadn't a clue what was going on for the first half. We were up by about four or five points and then they clicked into gear and they bet us by two and we had a penalty or a free Morris Nolan took in the last hook of the game to win it and it was saved and hit out. But it was actually, yeah, that's, a, that's what we did. We put Langton back in front of Joe and we put David Kenny to follow him everywhere and we fell back and it kind of wasn't done at the time, like it was the first time I coached that way, and it actually worked a treat in the first half, and then they got the grip. So it did, did brilliant Fitzgibbon teams at the time, LIT. So did you introduce the sweeper system to Davy? I will deny that. No, <laughs> no. Oh, I wouldn't say. I would. I wouldn't say he even remembers the game. But, you heard uh, first lad. I I'll, I'll remember some form of that.
1: If you were to pick a player to go to war with, who would it be?
0: I think Matt Hanlon is always excellent on the big day. I think when I if I was just to focus on Wexford, not even any club team or team I was involved with, I would I would to keep away from it. But I would say looking at the Wexford team at the minute, I find you know the bigger the day, sometimes the more Matthew stepped up. Matthew could have a bad league game, and lads, you know, you could be like, "Jizzy's not going that well" or whatever. Just the odd time when it comes to championship, he always seems to uh, to step up.
1: You're not the only one to mention him. A lot of people just talk about his his kind of his his ignorance to to let someone get the better of him, he just won't do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd find that, like, you know, even to go, to go back to York, I would say, like, Paul Cod was exceptional that way. Bigger the game, the more he would just, you know, and, and even, like, long before I was coaching him, like, I remember the 2006 county final. Jesus, he just gave, remember he gave an exhibition against Owlert, middle of the field, kind of bigger the game, you know, he just, the more he stood up.
1: A pleasure to hear the passion you have for all that, all the development of the underage structures and all and I think it's very exciting times for Wexford thanks Willie Uh, thanks Thanks, see you Ben.
0: see you Gary thanks man take care
1: have a good one bye bye
2: so that was our highly interesting and informative chat with Willie Cleary we hope you enjoyed it it was great to get insights into his coaching career and to know what the next generation of Wexford players are doing Shane Tompkins couldn't make it unfortunately he wants to get the last season of murder she wrote finished before the end of lockdown we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new podcast in the meantime it'd be great if you could subscribe to the podcast tell your friends give us a like share retweet thanks for listening